your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 540 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. That song you are hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online where the game starts. And we got a lot to do today. Uh, we got to get everybody caught up on all the latest uh, updates as it pertains to the players on the Rangers returning from injury, in some cases uh, still being out of the lineup for various reasons. They've also recalled a couple of players from the Hartford Wolfpack. There's a lot going on. We got to get into all that, uh, beginning with the injury to Capo Caco, which is now supposedly going to keep him out for at least a month. He remains on the injured reserve. And we're also going to get into a little bit of Olympic talk as well. The United States has clinched a bye, the men's team. Uh, you've got the United States women in the semifinals. Uh, the Canadian women are in the semifinals as well. And uh, the Canadian men going to have to play in the uh, opening round of the knockout round. Four teams got byes, and Canada was not one of them. So we're going to talk about all that. But like I said, I think we got to start with Capo Caco. And once again, the news that this upper body injury is going to keep him out of action for now at least a month, which is unfortunate because I think the general feeling and, and consensus and the impression that a lot of us were, were led to uh, believe here is that Kaka was probably going to be coming back after the All-Star break. You know, there was a little bit of talk of him maybe even returning before that, but I think the smart money all along, you know, once you're getting to only uh, one game left or two games left before the All-Star break, it, it felt like it would just be appropriate if he came back after the All-Star break. He's been out of the lineup since January 22nd. Once again, he's going to be out now for at least a month. Again, we don't even know what the injury is. It's upper body injury. That could mean one of uh, many different things. So hard to uh, know exactly what the deal is. I mean, we just kind of go by what the Rangers tell us. Uh, but, you know, Morgan Barron has been recalled by the New York Rangers in a corresponding move. And obviously the Rangers are going to miss Kako. A thought that I had when I heard this news that Kako was going to be out for an extended amount of time was, okay, could this kind of force the Rangers' hand? Could this necessitate a trade? Because we've talked about quite a bit on here how thin the Rangers are at right wing right now. And even though Kako, maybe he's not having the season that a lot of people were hoping that we, he would have, you know, a lot of people expecting him to get to that next level and just kind of explode this season as far as the points are concerned. And that's doubly true when you consider the fact that he's playing on a line predominantly with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider, who are both having amazing seasons. But however you feel about, you know, how Capo Caco has done this season, I think right now it's not even really up for debate. He is the best right winger on the New York Rangers, and he's now going to be out of the lineup. And again, once this news broke that he's going to be out for at least a month, I thought about like, okay, well, maybe this forces the Rangers' hand, causes them to be a little bit more aggressive on the trade front and bring in a right wing, somebody that can, uh, you know, play top six minutes and, and really help this team in Kako's absence. But after I thought about this a little bit, I actually don't think that Kako's injury is going to force the Rangers' hand at all. And, uh, you know, as far as, um, you know, potentially doing a trade, and this is why. If the Raiders were in a situation 
where they were, you know, barely hanging on to a playoff spot and there were all these expectations that they were going to contend for a Stanley Cup this season and they were one of the top elite teams in the league, then yes, this could kind of force their hands. They'd kind of be in a similar situation as the Edmonton Oilers. You know, they're obviously falling short of expectations and they're kind of left scrambling. Okay, how are we going to improve this team? How are we going to at least make the playoffs and then catch fire? Uh, I don't think the Rangers are in a situation quite like that. They're not fighting for their playoff lives or anything even resembling a situation such as that because if you look at the Eastern Conference, and again, this is something we've talked about in the past here, but the top eight teams in the Eastern Conference have really separated themselves from the bottom eight teams, and so I don't think the Rangers are in a desperate situation where they absolutely must go out and trade and you know, uh, you know, know, sell the farm for you know somebody that's only going to be a rental. I'm not going to sit here, you know, there's 35 games left in the season. I'm not going to sit here and guarantee that the Rangers are going to be a playoff team, but it certainly looks promising. And again, I don't think the Rangers need to get trigger happy on the trade front simply because Capo Caco is going to be out for about a month. I think they can kind of hang in there. There's going to be other potential trade partners around the league who are going to try to convince the Rangers that the Rangers are desperate to add a right winger, but I just don't think that they are right now. Now, eventually, yes, I do think the Rangers will make a trade, and it could happen sooner rather than later, but even if it does, I don't think Capo Caco's absence, you know, he's going to be out for a month here, is going to really have all that much to do with it because I think the Rangers probably feel like they can get by without Capo Caco for a while, and when he does eventually return, they'll probably plug him right back in there and, uh, you know, have him get some games under his belt before the playoffs start and uh, just be ready to go at that point. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. Again, it's entirely possible that the Rangers do end up making a trade, but I don't think this injury to Capo Caco is going to be the thing that's necessitating it because they expect to have him back. And as long as he's back before the playoffs, I think everything's all good uh, as it pertains to that situation. It does leave, obviously, a little bit of a hole in the lineup and a position that was already the Rangers' weakness becomes even more of the Rangers' weakness. And, you know, I know there's a lot of fans that have been expecting a little bit more out of Capo Caco. He is in year three here, about midway through the season, and you can count me among you. I thought Caco would have a little bit better offensive numbers by this point in the season than he currently does. But I'm also not going to sit here and act like this injury does not hurt the Rangers because it does hurt them. It definitely, uh, once again, it makes the team weakness even more so of a weakness. And he's 37 games into the season is Capo Caco. Five goals, nine assists, so 14 points in the 37 games. He is a plus seven so far this season. He also has two points on the power play, and he's averaging even 16 minutes of ice time per night. Also has five hits and 13 block shots. I think despite the lack of offensive fireworks, there are some positives that we can point to here. He's definitely improved as a defensive player, and there's some advanced metrics that will definitely back that up. You know, maybe at some point we'll devote an entire episode to taking a look at some of the advanced metrics, the advanced stats, whatever you want to call it, the next-gen stats. You know, they have their place. I'm not somebody who dives into them and thinks that it's, you know, religion or, or anything like that. Uh, but, you know, there's definitely some room to balance, you know, new school metrics with old school philosophies. And I, I think, you know, you should take advantage of both those things when you're assessing a player. So, like I said, we'll take a look at some metrics in a future episode. But for now, uh, I will just say that, you know, the metrics back up that he certainly has become a better defensive player for the New York Rangers. And again, I realize offensively he's not exactly setting the world on fire. But everybody on this team, you know, these guys are, are playing every single night and they're out there for a certain amount of time and it's all added up to the Rangers uh, having an excellent first half of the season. So Kako deserves at least some credit uh, for that, just like every single player on this New York Ranger roster does. And something else I'll say in Kako's defense, and maybe I'm reaching a little bit here, 
But I will say, you know, he's predominantly, once again, played with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider this season. He's not hurting them. He doesn't seem to be slowing the two of them down at all. Certain lines can be weighed down if there's somebody who just simply isn't pulling his weight and simply isn't uh, bringing a lot to the table. That's not the case on the Ranger top line, because if you look at Kreider, you look at Mika, they're both having phenomenal seasons. Could they have even more impressive numbers if they had somebody else from around the NHL on their right wing? It's possible. But Kako has been playing with them all season. And Kreider is having the best season of his career, and Mika is having at least one of the best seasons, if not the very best. And that's got to count for something for Capo Caco. You know, again, the points aren't necessarily there, but he's playing on a line that's seeing both of his line mates play better hockey than they've ever played in their career, arguably. Not even arguably for Kreider, arguably for Zibanejad. But uh, they're both at the top of their game, and at least Capo Caco doesn't seem to be slowing them down one bit. But listen, obviously. Again, there's a, there's a complete lack of depth at the right-wing position for the Rangers, and fingers crossed that Capo Caco gets back to the lineup sooner rather than later and gets back in there and hopefully becomes the player that we're all keeping our fingers crossed and wishing and hoping that he'll become because I've said all along on here, that's when the Rangers truly become a dangerous team and a bona fide Stanley Cup contender is when we see guys like Caco and Lafreniere and Hedl reach their potential and become the kind of players that the Rangers all thought that they were drafting when they took them in the first round. And of course, with Kako second overall, with Lafreniere number one overall. Because we know what we're going to get from guys like Panarin and Mika and Kreider and Igor Shesterkin and Adam Fox. But when this team really becomes dangerous and becomes a team that's going to be a force to be reckoned with come playoff time is when those guys, guys like Kako, guys like Hedl, guys like Lafreniere, reach that next level. And obviously, fingers crossed that a breakout is coming for all three of them, hopefully, but hopefully at least one of them at the very least. And fingers crossed that Capo Caco gets back into the lineup sooner rather than later. But it does sound like he's going to be out for about a month, uh, at least going by what the Rangers are saying and more specifically what Gerard Gallant is saying. And we're going to continue talking about everything going on with the Rangers. There's other players. You know, I wanted to start with Caco, but there's other players who are going to be back in the lineup. Some guys that are going to be out of the lineup. We'll get into all that in just a second. But first, just want to let everybody know. Today's episode of Lockdown New York Rangers is brought to you by Bilt Bar. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right, thanks to Bilt Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Bilt Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors. Cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie, just amazing. These are going to be some of your new favorites. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, puffs included, 100% real chocolate. Low calorie, high protein, replace your candy bars with these. They are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from 200 to 300 calories. Go to Built.com and scroll down to the macros chart and you will be blown away. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. At Built Bar, they are all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then they figure out how to make it healthy. I don't know how they do it, but they pull it off every single time. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKS15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKS15 for 15% off at Built.com. Com. All right, just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. 
All right, some good news as it pertains to the Rangers and injuries. They're going to get Adam Fox back into the lineup. I really don't think at this point that I probably have to tell you guys just how important he is to the New York Rangers, but we might as well go ahead and just marvel at the stats that he's put up thus far. He's skated in 44 games with the Rangers, scored seven goals, dished out 47 assists, so more than a point per game, more than an assist per game for Adam Fox. Uh, He's also a plus 12 and just a total workhorse, averages 24 minutes and 25 seconds of ice time per night. He's got 22 hits and 90 blocked shots. I mean, there's so much that comes to your mind when you think of Adam Fox. You don't even notice something like this until you really kind of dive into the stats. But 90 block shots, uh, he's on pace to block more shots per game than in either of his first two seasons. So again, just another reason why Adam Fox is the man. Uh, huge part of the power play, huge part of the penalty kill. The Rangers at least got by without him. The games that they were forced to, uh, you know, compete in without Adam Fox. I thought uh, Jacob Truba did a great job stepping up and basically playing the role of Adam Fox light. And I don't mean that as like a a diss or anything like that. I mean, the fact that Jacob Truba at all filled Adam Fox's shoes, I think that's definitely to be commended. We talked about that a little bit as those games were happening, but I thought Jacob Truba really stepped up big and, uh, you know, again, kind of played the Adam Fox role. He was out there in the top power play unit got a ton of penalty kill time. I mean, he plays on the penalty kill all the time anyway. But again, I just thought he did a really nice job stepping up as a leader and, uh, you know, obviously leading the Rangers in ice time more often than not. And despite everything I just said about Truba and the job he did, I don't think there's any substitution for Adam Fox right now. And I don't think uh, I'm going out on a limb here when I say that we're all going to welcome Adam Fox back to this team with open arms. Uh, we can keep it moving right along as far as, uh, you know, some other injury news. Patrick Nemeth and Philip Heedle were both back on the ice at practice. They both missed some games prior to the All-Star break. Uh, Nemeth, though, you know, he missed five games before the All-Star break happened due to personal reasons. And Gerard Gallant at his presser the other day This is what he had to say about Nemeth. We're not sure he's back yet. He's coming. He's not in the lineup yet for Tuesday for sure. We're going to take our time with him. And again, this is something that we've talked about kind of on and off here. You know, Nemeth has kind of been in the lineup and out of the lineup. And, you know, at first they said it was a non-COVID related illness and then it was for personal reasons. And then uh, I think there was another supposed injury and now it's for personal reasons. Again, first and foremost, I just hope everything's okay. I'm not really sure what's going on there. I don't even really want to speculate um, it's just a little bit strange that, you know, Nemeth has been out of the lineup for, for one reason or another, seemingly on and off again for most of this season. Again, hope everything is okay there. Uh, going by this Gallant quote, depending on how you read it, it sounds like it's at least possible that he could be in the lineup for Tuesday, but that it's certainly not a guarantee. And, you know, the Rangers, perhaps in a corresponding move here, you know, in preparation to possibly be out there without Patrick Nemeth, they have recalled Zach Jones from the AHL. So entirely possible that... Jones lines up next to Braden Schneider on Tuesday night against the Bruins. Uh, If Nemeth is ready to go, I would imagine it would be him because he hasn't been a healthy scratch. You know, every time Nemeth has been out of the lineup, it's been due to either uh, illness, personal reason, or injury. So obviously, you know, we'll keep an eye on that situation and uh, just see how it shakes out going forward. But first and foremost, hopefully everything is okay with Patrick Nemeth. We also have line combinations from the most recent practice. I know that Everybody always kind of uh, fixates on these a little bit, and certainly coming out of a lengthy break, uh, it's going to get some attention, and we'll go over that right now. You had a top line of Mika Zibanejad centering Chris Kreider on the left wing, Alexi Lafreniere on the right wing. You've got a second line of Ryan Strom centering Artemi Panarin and Barclay Goodrow on the right wing. Then the third line is Philip Heedle centering Dryden Hunt on the left wing, Julian Gauthier on the right wing. The fourth line is Kevin Rooney centering Greg McKaig on the left wing, Ryan Reeves on the right wing. So we'll start with uh, actually the fourth line. I think that's pretty much what everybody would expect it to be at this this point, that 
Fourth line has been a strength for the Rangers uh, pretty much all season. I know certain guys have kind of come and gone on the fourth line throughout the year, but uh, recently it has been those three. And overall, I think you still like what you're getting from that trio if you're a fan of this New York Ranger team. Um, the one thing that stands out, and maybe the only thing that I would do differently here, we mentioned that Goudreau is going to be on the right wing on the second line. Philip Hedl is going to be the center of the third line. I kind of went back and forth on this a little bit as well, the idea of maybe flip-flopping the two of them. And I've come to the conclusion that I think I would flip-flop the two of them and put Philip Hedl on the second line uh, at right wing with Stroman Panarin and have Goudreau centering the third line uh, with you know Hun and Gautier. Here's why I would do this. As we mentioned a little bit earlier in this episode, the Rangers are having a tremendous season. They are very comfortably in playoff position right now. I mean, never say never, and you got to continue to win games on the stretch here, but the Rangers are 30, 13, and 4. They have 64 points. That's the fifth most in the Eastern Conference. They also have a game in hand as it pertains to being in fourth place. Uh, the first team out of the playoffs right now, the, the last team out, so to speak, would be the Detroit Red Wings. The Wings are 22, 21, and 6. They have 50 points. So the Red Wings are 14 points behind the New York Rangers, and the Rangers also have two games at hand on the Detroit Red Wings. So bottom line, the Rangers are in the playoffs by light years right now. And with that being the case, and I realize you can't always let standings dictate how you line up, but... The Rangers, like I said, comfortably in the playoff position. So if there's ever time to show some patience, really give Philip Hedl a big-time opportunity to play, not just in the top six, but to play with Artemi Panarin and Ryan Strom, then I think this might be the time to do it. And again, that is even more true when you consider the fact that the Rangers are without Capo Caco right now, and there's just a complete void as it pertains to the right wing. So really, I don't think that Filipino playing on the second line right wing spot would be a bridge too far, you know, especially as the Rangers are currently constructed and the complete lack of depth that we just talked about at the right wing. But beyond that, and we've been over this on this podcast in the past, but I'm still going to repeat it. Filipino is better suited on the wing than he is at center. So moving him up to the second line not only gives him a chance to play with Panarin and Strom, but it puts him at what I think is his best position. And it also puts Barclay Goodrow presumably at center on the third line, which to me, I think that's Barclay Goodrow's best position. I mean, he's kind of a defense first forward. He can play wing just fine. And it's nice to have somebody versatile, somebody that can play all three forward positions. But I've just always kind of like Barclay Goodrow at center, given the fact once again that being a defense first forward is kind of his calling card. He's won half of his face-offs this year, which is not a tremendously successful rate, but when you're dealing with the New York Rangers, it typically is, although they, they are getting a little bit better at face-offs. But yeah, I don't know. To me, Barclay Goodrow on the third line center spot and Philip Hedl on the right wing second line spot just seems like the way to go. And again, Philip Hedl, with the possible exception of Alex Georgiev, I think Hedl's name comes up more often than any other player in the Rangers system right now as it pertains to potentially being traded. And so that being the case, if you are the Rangers and you are considering possibly trading Philip Hedl, then I think this would be another good opportunity to kind of showcase him and show what he can do. And the best way to do that is not to put him on a line with Dryden Hunt. Nothing against Dryden Hunt. Hard nose, blue collar, hardworking player, but not somebody that's going to light up the score sheet. If you put Philip Hedl up on the line with Artemi Panarin and Ryan Strome, you got to figure... Even slightly, his numbers are going to go up, and he's going to look uh, better than he probably has all season, getting a chance to play with the two of them. So for all those reasons, I'd like to see Filipino on the second line, given a chance with Artemi Panarin and Ryan Stroman, put Barclay Goodrow on the third line. I'm not going to go crazy about it either, though, because, you know, Barclay Goodrow, 
10 goals and 10 assists this year. It's not like he doesn't do anything offensively. And he's somebody that, you know, obviously plays with a lot of physicality. It's a nice compliment to Artemi Panarin and Ryan Strom. He can do some of the dirty work. He can go to the net, things like that. So I, I don't hate this move either. I just think, you know, given everything that I talked about, the fact that the Rangers are light years into the playoff picture right now, the fact that the Rangers could maybe showcase Filipino. And even if they're not showcasing him, give him a chance to finally uh, kind of spread his wings a little bit. I still think I would lean toward uh, Filipino on the second line there. But I'm not going to kill them for the move either because uh, Goudreau has played well this season. And again, nice compliment to uh, Strom and Panarin on that second line there. Uh, the only other thing I want to mention as far as the line combos, the top line situation. You've got Kreider and Lafreniere on the two wing spots. Coming into the season, you know, obviously you look at Panarin, you look at Lafreniere, and you look at Kreider. And you got three left wingers. To have all of them in the top six, obviously one of them has to change positions. And my vote at that time was for Kreider to do it. I wouldn't mess with Panarin at all. I know he's kind of playing the right side on the power play recently, but I would leave Panarin at his natural position. And Alexi Lafreniere, you know, given the fact that he was called a generational talent, he's not somebody that I would switch his position either. But now, you know, given the season that Chris Kreider's having, somebody that could maybe even get some votes for the heart this season. I mean, we'll see how that shakes out, but he's leading the NHL in goals. I'm not going to mess with him. You know, Lafreniere, it's not ideal, but I think if somebody has to change positions at this point, it should probably be Alexi Lafreniere. I can't move somebody who's leading the NHL in goals. So we'll see how that shakes out. But uh, I think for sure, again, given the fact that the Rangers just completely depleted at right wing, Lafreniere has to be in the top six right now. And hopefully he can kind of get going and find his game playing alongside uh, Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider on a nightly basis. And like I said, we're going to Talk a little bit about the Olympic hockey in just a second here, but first, just want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Bet Online. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds, right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. It's Super Week brought to you by Get Upside, and there's no better place to get coverage of the big game than the Locked On NFL podcast. Locked On Bengals and Locked On Rams are in L.A. all week covering the big game. All right, let's go ahead and talk some Olympic hockey here. We'll start with the women. The semifinals are set for Monday. We've got Canada against Switzerland at 12 10 p.m. Eastern time on Monday afternoon. And then we've got the United States against Finland at 9 10 p.m. on Monday night. The bronze medal game will be Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. And then the gold medal game will be at 12.10 p.m. on Thursday afternoon. I realize, obviously, you know, whenever you get kind of like odd start times, it's due to the, the time difference. You know, these games are happening in Beijing. But it really does feel weird seeing the championship game of such a prestigious tournament be played at 12.10 in the afternoon. But uh, be that as it may, you know, I'll be working from home. I'm sure a lot of you are working from home these days. And, uh, you know, that'll be a lot of fun being able to watch that right in the middle of the day. And, you know, as it pertains to the women's tournament, I think it would be a pretty big upset if we don't get United States against Canada in the gold medal game. 
I think coming into the tournament, they were considered far and away the two best teams. I'm not taking anything away from Switzerland or Finland. These games still have to be contested, and you never know when an upset could happen. But I think it would be overall considered an upset if, you know, it's not United States versus Canada playing for the gold on Thursday. But we'll see how it shakes out. It's been a really fun tournament so far. And sign me up for a rematch between the United States and Canada because they played a heck of a game against each other in the preliminaries, which was won 4-2 by Canada. So definitely looking forward to seeing how that tournament shakes out. As far as the men's tournament, we had the United States beating Canada for only the fourth time ever in the Olympics, which is pretty crazy to think about. The U.S. last beat Canada 12 years ago in the preliminary round. I remember uh, Chris Drury and Ryan Callahan were both on the United States that year. I think Drury had a pretty big game uh, against Canada in the preliminary game that they won. Unfortunately, well, I say unfortunately. I mean, we have some listeners from Canada, so uh, it depends which team you were rooting for. Uh, but Canada, you know, beat the United States in overtime in the gold medal game that season. Uh, who else? Sidney Crosby scoring the game-winning goal. Uh, but United States beats Canada in the preliminaries here. They get a 4-2 win. And then United States, just a couple hours ago, in fact— uh, defeated Germany in its final preliminary game. They beat them 3-2, to two, so that seals uh, the pool championship for the United States, or whatever you want to call it. They won their pool. That's the best way I can say it, and they have a bye as a result of that. Uh, Canada earlier today on Sunday also beat China 5 to nothing. But the way that it works for anybody who hasn't really, uh, you know, been paying that close of attention or might just need some clarification here, there were three pools in the preliminaries for the men's tournament, and the three pool winners automatically get buys in the knockout round, and the next best team after that, a wild card, quote-unquote, also gets a buy, but... Canada is actually not going to get a bye due to that loss uh, to the United States. The four teams with byes are the U.S., Finland, Russia, and Sweden. And then in the opening round, you've got Slovakia against Germany. You've got Canada against China. You've got Czech Republic against Switzerland. And you've got Denmark against Latvia. And I'm going to try to watch as many of these games as I possibly can. I know on here, you know, whether it's the men or the women, we're kind of focusing in on the United States and Canada simply because uh, looking at the... Uh, the advanced stats, if you will, I can see that, you know, most of our listeners are in one of those two countries. But if there's anybody out there that wants me to, uh, you know, pay attention to a certain game, talk about a certain player, whoever it might be, whichever team it might be, uh, definitely feel free to reach out and let me know. Like I said, I'm going to do my best to watch uh, all these games, the women and the men down the stretch here, because both tournaments now into the single elimination knockout rounds. But what a game between the United States and Canada. And what a great job by the U.S. holding off Canada in that game. We had an early goal by Canada. We had an early goal by the United States to tie it. Uh, the United States then scored near the end of the first period to take a 2-1 to one lead. They had a 3-1 to one lead, getting pretty late into the second period, and then a key sequence in this game, and a point in which this game almost turned. The United States had a power play, and they had come close a couple of times up to this point of increasing their lead to 4-1, to one, but that didn't happen. Instead, Canada gets a shorthanded goal, knocks the United States lead down to 3-2. to two. And Canada had all the momentum at the end of the second period. I thought the United States was really fortunate when the uh, buzzer sounded and they got to go into the locker room for the second air mission there with Canada still trailing by a goal. United States got back to basics in the third period. You know, they just kind of played a simple game and they end up scoring something of a soft goal. Uh, the Canadian goalie, Kenny Agostino took a shot from pretty far away. You know, he was just inside the blue line and put it toward the net. And Canadian goalie Eddie Pasquale got a piece of it, but it kind of just got through him and trickled into the net. And just like that, the United States increases the lead to 4-2. to And, you know, Canada had some chances down the stretch. They ended up with a power play. They got a 5-on-3 for about 30 seconds. 
Uh, so they got some opportunities, uh, but the United States held them off, had a great game, and a great game by Strauss Mann, who was between the pipes for the United States, stopping 35 of 37 shots. So the United States beats Canada. Certainly was not easy, but that's a huge, huge win. The United States now will act as the top seed in the tournament, and what that means is you know they'll act as the home team, and they'll have uh, you know last change for every single game that they play from now until uh, whenever their tournament run concludes, possibly with a gold medal, but we'll see how it all shakes out because there is a very long way to go in this, and there's a lot of really good teams in this, and it's anybody's game. It really is interesting to me that all 12 teams you know, make it into the knockout round, but I think it works when you reward the best four teams with buys, which is what the uh, the tournament does. And another reason why the buys are so big is that the eight teams that did not get a buy are all going to be playing on Tuesday, and then the quarterfinal games will be happening on Wednesday. So they're going to have to play back-to-back -back against a fresh team. We'll see how it all shakes out. Like I said, very, very much looking forward to uh, seeing the conclusion of the women's tournament and also the men's tournament in the Olympics here. And obviously, something else that I'm very much looking forward to that I'm sure all of you are as well, the Rangers are going to play a hockey game pretty soon. They are back in action, like I said, this Tuesday at 7 p.m. against the Boston Bruins. They will also be at home against the Detroit Red Wings on Thursday before traveling to take on the Ottawa Senators at 5 p.m. on Sunday. But yes, that will pretty much do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Now make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets.